Hi, everybody. I'm Gus Johnson along with the governor. He says he got all his genes from his mom. From his mom. A lot of nylon. A lot of excitement in the air. Yes. And we're ready for college basketball. College basketball. Oh, oh. What's up, everybody? Welcome to week five of the Big East Barroom, sponsored by SeatGeek. Use the code BEBR for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. Ryan and I actually use SeatGeek this week because we are on location, in loca- on location in Milwaukee hotel room, a little hungover. Our editor is currently passed out, being very hungover. Ryan? Yeah, it's a little Sunday morning hotel record session. Um, had a lot of fun in Milwaukee last night. Tyler's got to catch a plane in a couple hours. I'm staying to watch a Bucks game Monday night. We're fitting in time for you guys first. Yeah, Milwaukee's an electric city. You guys really like basketball. You guys really like alcohol, and you guys really like food. What a really fun experience for our first time coming out here. So. But we got to still talk about 11 teams. We still have to? Well, legally speaking, I think we have to. All right, we could talk about 11 teams. So we decided we're going to do this in the order of? Cities that we want to visit next because we're out in Milwaukee now and we want to figure out where we want to go next because this has been such an awesome atmosphere. Now, does that mean that if we've already been there, it should be at the bottom of our list? Or do you want to go again soon? I mean, I'm dying to go back to stores, Connecticut. You know, you see stores on... The basketball capital of the world? Yeah, it's about all it has going on. Oh. And Ted's? And Ted's. Ted's. And it's only an hour drive for us. All right, we'll put three minutes on the clock, and I'll let you take your first um, pick for where you want to go next. Uh, this is purely basketball arena. Well, I also really like their baseball field. But I was saying yesterday that I really want to go to Cincinnati, and I would like to go see Xavier play a home game at the Cintas Center. So let's talk Xavier Musketeer basketball who goes one and one this week. They lose to Delaware 87 to 80, and then they win their crosstown shootout. Yeah, it's uh, about as different of results as you can get. They lose a game. They really cannot lose to Delaware. With their loss to Bryant earlier this season, they, or excuse me, Oakland, they beat Bryant pretty badly. They lost to Oakland. Um, They're really going to struggle to get into the NCAA tournament without an automatic bid at the Big East tournament and then they go out and they win their Super Bowl they beat Cincinnati which is their most important game of their season they all talk about it Sean Miller talks about it says when he's recruiting he makes it very clear this is the most important game we play so um, to get the win there is huge and Delaware shoots 50% from the field they shoot 50% from three they shoot 17 free throws Xavier turned the ball over 17 times yeah, I mean, there's definitely a conversation I'm about Xavier and, you know, what the expectations were coming into the season and if we have to readjust them. Yeah, it's unfortunate. The front court just really hasn't worked out the way they've needed it to. Um, you got a lot of interesting pieces, a lot of talent, but they're not playing to the level they need to. But then, of course, you know, against Cincinnati, you didn't need them because Quincy Oliveri goes out and scores 27 points. Six of eight from three, and Davion McKnight chips in 20. You got 47 points from your two backcourt transfers. Um, Oliveri was terrific, friend of the pod, very happy for him. 
and to get the win at the Cinta Center in the Crosstown shootout is really freaking cool. Yeah, I think Quincy, what we've seen so far, and maybe because he's just so facially expressive, he has that big smile. Um, he loves these moments. Against Houston, he was skipping around the court, you know, the whole entire time. I don't think he's ever going to be scared of a moment. I think he feeds off this environment. Um, so it's been really awesome to see him really doing well. Davion McKnight, this is kind of a get-right game for him to score 20 points in one of the biggest games he's probably played in. You know, huge for them. I, I have expectations that Xavier will be tough in the Big East, but I think Ryan's right. When you lose a game to Oakland and then you lose a game to Delaware, you're talking about quad three and quad four losses and just isn't going to look good for the committee. And they're going to have a tough time in the Big East anyway because they're going to play Marquette, Creighton, and UConn six times this year. And they haven't knocked off any of the big guys they've faced, right? They lost to Houston, they lost to Purdue, they lost to Washington. Those by themselves don't hurt, but they don't help that you lost. Yeah. And then you have things that hurt. Um, Tyler, how about this in their last five games defensively? Gave up 75 points to uh, Bryant, 78 points to Oakland. 87 to Delaware. They, they do keep Houston to 66, but then 87 to Delaware, 79 to Cincinnati. Yeah, you wonder how much is that as a focus thing? You gave up 66 to Houston. Houston's one of the best offenses in college basketball. Yeah, you gave up 75-plus um, points in four of the last five games. I mean, yeah. that's just tough. Yeah, you're not going to win a lot of games. But I would love to go to the Cintas Center, so that would be my first pick. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. All right. So then it would be my pick for where I want to go next. And it is easy for me. It is the dunk. It is Providence Friars. I did get to go before the season to the Mal Brown game. And so I've been in the dunk, literally. But obviously getting to go for an actual game is an experience. I'm not going to miss this year. I will promise you that. I will be at one of the games. We're just picking out which one. Go to the Georgetown game, you coward. I can't get, get those tickets. Um, but Providence goes... 0-1 to this point in the week. They have Brown later tonight, as we mentioned, because of scheduling conflict. I will be on an airplane. We're going to record this before that. Um, stars. I could really use a wish right now. We're just going to assume Providence gets a win there. Yeah, Providence probably win. They win 80-60, to 60, according to Friared Up. Um, on Twitter, so they get a win. Huge. Devin Carter looked great. Josh Adoro continues to do Josh Adoro things. Bryce Hopkins finished all of his around the rim. But in terms of results, that actually happened. We talked about the Oklahoma game on Tuesday night, and it was not impressive. Yeah, they kind of got their doors blown off. Um, you know, coming into that game, I was thinking that Providence was kind of just one step below that Creighton-Marquette-UConn line that we're seeing. And this game showed me that the difference between those top three and that fourth team, fifth team, whatever, is kind of a significant difference. Um, you know, they lost by 21 points. And you're looking, how do they lose? You know, they shoot... 41%. Oklahoma shoots 46%. That's not a big difference. Oklahoma only made one more three. Oklahoma shot six more free throws. You know, at the end of the day, that um, this team had a little bit of a hard time rebounding. And when you get out-rebounded by 17 rebounds and you give up second-chance points, you know, you're going to lose some games and you're going to lose by 21 points. And this is what I'm worried about with Providence. We only get to watch the first half of this game because then we were at the UConn-UNC game at Madison Square Garden. So I can't speak too much to the rebounding. They didn't look like they were getting hammered in the first half. Obviously, the numbers end up suggesting they did. Well, um, 40 to 23 is a huge difference. The biggest concern I had in, in the amount of time we got to watch was the turnovers. I mean, we we looked at each other in the first five minutes. Josh Duro and Jaden Pierre both had three turnovers. Yeah, You had six turnovers between the two of them in the first five minutes. They were getting run out of building. And then they do come back and they make it a close game. And then uh, they ran out of steam down the stretch against Oklahoma, who opened it up to a 20-point lead. But 
you know, their turnovers have not been great. They have one of, you know, not a great turnover percentage. They've given up like 15 turnovers in each of their highest games, um, you know, most important games. So, yeah, they were able to, I guess they slowed it down once we stopped watching because they only had 15 turnovers for the game and we saw six in the first like two minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this Providence Friars team, what's your level of concern then? They play fast, but they need to play under control. They have to. I mean, you're not going to win games when you turn over the ball like that. Uh, you dig yourself that big of a hole. What's my level of concern overall? It's a step back. I was pretty high on the Friars before this, and it makes you go – it makes you see a lot of their weaknesses and what can be exploited. All right, Ryan, the next place I want to go is I want to go to Chicago, get some deep dish pizza, although I would need to take my acid pills before we go there. And let's talk about the DePaul Fighting Blue Demons. Ryan, DePaul goes one and one this week. They lose to Texas A&M by 25 points, and then they win their Super Bowl. They beat Louisville and – a game which is whose head coach will last longer. And you are already seeing reports that Kenny Payne is going to be fired in the next week from Louisville. It's just been a disaster for his tenure there, as bad as you can Have imagine. you seen some – I want to talk to Paul, but have you seen some of the Kenny Payne quotes, the tight, the whole tights thing? Yeah. <laughs> when the guy was like – we're like, why didn't he play? And he goes, well, we didn't have the tights he wanted. And then we, he figured it out, and we found the tights he wanted. No, and no, no. He, he, said he accepted that we didn't. <laughs> it was such a weird, like, and then when the guy said, um, they tricked me and they played his zone. It's like, well, sir, that is basketball. Yeah, I mean, as bad as it gets. So at least we can say Tony Stubblefield's tenure at DePaul has not been that bad. Can we say that? Um, it hasn't been as bad as Kenny Payne. Tony Stubblefield isn't embarrassing the program um, on a human being level. Like Kenny, a, like verbalizing. Like, yeah. yeah, Kenny Payne I mean, is an embarrassment. I want to talk more about the win because we don't have a lot of them this year. We have two. Um, Jeremiah Odin continues. Like when you refer to DePaul as we. As we. You yeah. are a diehard. When you, when you love something like I love DePaul basketball and you get hurt by it consistently, which, you know, is a theme. We, we take those losses. Jeremiah Odin shot 8 of 10 in this game, uh, 22 points. This guy, I can't figure out why he is – okay, that's going to sound really mean. I was going to say why he isn't at a different school, but DePaul's in the Big East and in Chicago and D1, whatever. I think he's a really, really good wing in the Big East, and I think we're um, if they're able to pull off a few upsets in the Big East, I think Jeremiah Odin's going to be right in the middle of it. I have – spoiler alert, they will not be able to pull off a lot of upsets in the Big East. I said a upset or a couple uh, upsets. We there, might there, be able to. There will to. not be a couple. Us, Chicago, DePaul's are going to be able to. Credit to Jeremiah Odin played 39 minutes in this game. Um, we saw some KT Ramey, although he didn't end up shooting well. I think he hit a big shot at one point during the game. Yeah, not a ton to add here. This is the highest mark DePaul will hit all season. Hot take. Um, no, disagree. Um, because DePaul's going to DePaul's going to play DePaul roulette this year. Um, I truly believe that they might get a win somewhere along the line because their athletes are that good, and they're going to win in spite of Tony's double field. Mark it down one and nineteen. I truly believe they might get a win. Yes, one and nineteen, <laughs> baby. One in 19. Oh, God. It's it's brutal out there. Uh, can't wait for next year when they have a new coach and uh, they may be competitive again. Because Chico Carter. What do you know about Chico Carter? Deshaun Nelson? Deshaun? I don't know. Damn. I, I love Deshaun Nelson. Deshaun Nelson is one of my favorites. All right. I have the next pick, and I'm going to go with – let's head on down to Philly. Ooh, We've been to a... Philly a couple times in the oh, last I'm year. I'm just my number one anyway. 
And uh, yeah, you want to go to DC. But, yeah. Um, we're going to talk Philly and we're going to talk the Villanova Wildcats. They go one and one. They lose to Kansas State in overtime and then they go out and beat UCLA yesterday um, in what is one of their best wins of the season. But they have a lot of really good wins on the season. They just have a lot of really bad losses. Yeah. Um, the K State loss is not a really bad loss at K State in overtime wasn't that concerning except for the fact that they were just coming off two losses to mid-major programs. So what did you see in that Kansas State game? I mean, just think about the tenor and mood of this conversation, how different it is if that kid misses at three at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about a 2 a week against two Power 5 teams, one on the road at Kansas State without your best player for like 30 of the 40 minutes that you – or. 30 of the eight, or sorry, let me try again. 50 of the 80 minutes that you played because he missed all Justin Moore missed all of the UCLA game and missed, I think, you know, quite a bit of time in the Kansas Third, State. He only played eight minutes against Kansas State. So you're talking about the whole conversation just changes because you know, you you say, well, they didn't gel and they lost to a few Philly teams, but maybe, you know, these rivalries, these teams get up for it or whatever. I I didn't I don't want to rain on Villanova's parade. Maybe they're gonna figure it out. You can't just keep taking losses on the chin. You're at this point. I don't know. I think Villanova's gonna have a very hard time with a resume for a tournament committee. It will be one of the most interesting resumes for sure, with the number of top fifty wins they have, and then quad three, quad four losses. Um, I want to give Hakeem Hart a shout out. He was fantastic in both the Kansas State game and he played pretty well in the UCLA game. Hakeem Moet, Hakeem Moet. He's earning a lot of time out there, and uh, they need that because, as you mentioned, Justin Moore's injured, and they need somebody to step up into that starting lineup. Yeah. Uh, Mick Cronin. Want to talk Mick Cronin for five seconds? Mick Cronin's a jackass. What a jackass comment saying Eric Dick. If you didn't hear, he said Eric Dixon is not athletic and got 10 rebounds, and Tyler Burton played four years at Richmond, insinuating that Tyler Burton is not a big-time player. Hey, Mick Cronin, how about you shove it up your ass? That's my quotes. Official Big East ballroom. Yeah, well, he has stance. two losses to the Big East, so he should worry less about our athleticism and more about his athleticism. Or his coaching abilities. Or his hairline. Or his hairline. Or his hairline. Um, Eric Dixon and Tyler Burton both did have 10 rebounds in that game, though. That's big. I Because they are great athletes. It's stupid to say that they're not great athletes. You're playing D1 basketball, Power 6 Villanova at the highest level, and you're gonna, you're not a good athlete? Like, what does that even mean? Like, that's a dumb thing. Uh, the I We didn't get to catch it because we were obviously at the Marquette game. But I heard this was kind of an ugly game. And looking at the stats where Tyler Burton and Hakeem Hart are the only players who um, scored in double digits. And Villanova shot 32% from the game. Um, yeah, it kind of seems like an ugly one. But at the end of the day, you got to win the ugly ones. And that's what Villanova wasn't doing against the Philadelphia schools. What is your record prediction in the Big East for Villanova? Uh, eleven and nine. Eleven and nine. They lose. I think they lose all six games to Marquette, Creighton, and UConn. I think they get swept. Yeah, final three. Of them. I, I think that those three have clearly showed they're way ahead of anybody else. Yeah, but playing an away game in college basketball is yeah, it's tough. But you know, Villanova, I think lost all six of those games last year. Um, they definitely lost both to UConn. They lost both to Marquette. Or did they beat Marquette last year? God, it's too early in the morning for this question. Anyhow, what's your next pick? Uh, if we were going to go somewhere, my number one pick would have been this, and I forgot. I want to go to Washington, D.C., and I want to see the Georgetown Hoyas. Actually, I really want to see the monuments, and I want to go walk around a lot. 
But if we're there, we might as well go see a George Shumway again. Yeah, and actually, my layover was in um, Washington, D.C., and flying in, you get to see the Georgetown campus. So you're a casual fan because you didn't go? But or, I got to look at it. But what are the pictures of you? But do I get credit for looking? No, you don't get one credit for looking. I think I get some You look at the pictures. Looking. Georgetown goes 0-1. They lose their Super Bowl to Syracuse. We're not using Super Bowl in a derisive way. Um, derisive? It's too early in the morning for what I said? Just these are the it was rivalry day pretty much yesterday. And yeah. so Big East went seven and two. Georgetown lost their rivalry day to Syracuse. They had some good moments. Yeah, like when the game started, that was a good moment. Nah, it was close down the stretch. We were watching this actually at the bar yes, before right. the Marquette game. Um, it was a one point game at half. Jaden Epps had some nice moments. Supreme Cook goes for a double double. Right, they don't play defense. It's the same thing I've been saying for Freaking, as long as we've been talking about Big East basketball, you have 54% shooting to a Syracuse team that was 6-3 and three coming into that. Um, a Syracuse team that is going through, obviously, a transition. They had to learn how to play man-to-man defense, um, which has been a huge problem for them. because They had to join the 21st century. They, had to, they, they thought they only had to stay in this little zone. Um, but you give up 80 points to a Syracuse team on 53% shooting. It's just not good enough. Syracuse has some ballers. Judah Mintz is a really good basketball player. Um, I just I look around, and Ed Cooley has the quote after of "You better get us now." The Dan Hurley, basically. <sighs> well, I mean, it worked out for Hurley. You can't blame Cooley for trying to say magic. I, mean, I can't blame him for trying, but geez, just looking at this team, you just looking at it and you're like, I don't know how it changes or when it changes. Yeah, they, or why I mean, it changes? Listen, we were talking about it yesterday. We like some of the pieces. We like Dontrez Styles a lot. I think that he could be a really good piece on a good team. Jake Heath, I like. Uh, Wayne Bristol plays his ass off. He earns every minute he gets. The way the roster is constructed right now, they're going to have a hard time competing in the Big East. Uh, but they also have three top 100 recruits coming in next year. So they should be in good shape. Tyler, we were just talking about this. Isn't it an interesting phenomenon? Ooh, an interesting phenomenon? That both St. John's and Georgetown have new coaches and almost completely new rosters, but the same problem that they don't play defense. That's my frustration with both of these new coaches. You are supposed to come in and change the culture. And you can't say that the culture, you know, is – I don't want to relate everything back to UConn, but when Hurley took over, he had a bunch of Ollie's guys. So he kept saying, wait until I bring my guys in, pretty much wait until, like, and, you know, they transformed. This, these are Patino's guys. These are Cooley's guys. He brought them in. So for the culture not to have changed, really, where you're still not playing great defense and you're still making lackadaisical plays, more for George Sum than St. John's. I mean, what is it? I mean, if Ed Cooley had to, you know, had a lot of bad years at Providence before they came good, did he just get the right roster construction? I mean, I think it's fair to question Cooley's coaching abilities because of some of the personal choices he's made, too. I think it's way too soon to um, question Ed Cooley's coaching abilities, considering he won the Big East regular season two years ago. Um, but I do think what we're seeing is it's a lot easier to change the offensive outlook of a team than the defensive. So much of defense is culture-based, and you have to build that culture. And you're right, they brought in their guys, but they're transfers, and you know they have other habits. And it's not the same as bringing in recruits. So you, you got to give them a little bit of time, but it, it's definitely slower to change a defensive outlook than an offensive. All right. Right. We have your pick for the next place you want to visit. I'm going to go. Let's go to Queens. 
you don't like big cities. Why are you picking a big city? Well, uh, first off, the Big first East off, thrives in first urban. Off, you keep my name out your mouth. Catholic urban schools and UConn. Um, so I wouldn't mind going to Queens. And South Orange isn't really an urban school. Yeah, it? no, it's not. Uh, but I don't want to go to South Orange. Wow. So You're at first. Seen Hall fans. We'll put three minutes on the clock. And we're going to talk St. John's. They played one game this week, and they beat Sacred Heart this week. Uh, in a bye game, pretty much. And then later today, they will be playing Boston College. Again, we have to record before that. Um, that is an important game, unlike the other game we're missing. So, quick outlook if they win versus outlook if they lose. Outlook if they win, they see a path to the tournament. They see a path to um, 10 and 10 in Big East play. They see a path forward if they lose you're talking about i mean i i just think it's a drastic difference boston college is a middle acc team um but the spread's only five um, so people are expecting you know boston college to keep it close um if they lose this game i don't see a path forward to a tournament um just not enough quality wins in there um, you know boston college is 98th on Kempom, so they're a top 100 team technically by the skin of their teeth yeah, I, I don't see if they lose how it can be anything but a huge uh, negative unless they look really good. But is this at home for – Is that Boston College? It's at Boston College. Yeah. You need to go in. You need to get a win. You can't keep dropping these games. Um, you yeah. Need, you need a couple big wins. So Utah win is holding up well because they just played somebody really well yesterday. But you need a couple more to add to the resume before you go into Big East Conference play. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. They have their win against um, North Texas, which I never know how that's going to do. Yeah, Utah beat 14 BYU yesterday. Go 8-2. and two. Um, They beat West Virginia, but West Virginia is considered the worst Big 12 school in the um, for basketball. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, what do, you, what do I want to see from St. John's? I want to see Joel Soriano dominating the post. I want to see them commit to an eight or nine rotation players. I don't need to see 11 or 12 players play. I think it messes with cohesiveness. I think that's maybe why the defense isn't great, because if you have 12 players, someone's going to be having an off day um, and they could get blown by a few times. I want to see Jordan Dingle Tyler, shoot threes. Tyler hates depth. I don't understand it. It's Some not- teams do really well with depth in 10-man, 11-man rotations. Some men, some teams. That's not. If you there. tell me you have eleven good players, I'll tell you you have no good players. There, what, Florida Atlantic played like ten players last year. Florida Atlantic was not even really a thing until they went on a miracle a run. Thing. They were still in an NCAA tournament. They made that. They were a nine seed in the tournament. Uh, yeah, making like, the NCAA tournament's a darn good. It's uh, like the UNC the few years ago when they shocked everybody and made the championship game, and then everyone's like, "Well, they're number one in the country." No, they're not that good. You well, They were number one in the country. Yeah, and then they got bumped out. They were not even in the top 25. I don't think they made the tournament that year. Joel Soriano gets another double-double this week. That's huge. Um, I want to see him beat Zach Eady this year to have the most double-doubles in the That'd be really country. hard because if Zach Eady walks on the court, he's getting a double-double. I can't stand Zach Eady. Why? He's so good. Yeah, well, I think people don't like tall players. This is my soliloquy on this because they look at tall players and think, I could be doing what they're doing if I was that tall. Where, like, if you see a short guy who's really good, you're like, I can't do that because I am his height. I can't I definitely can't Like, I literally can't. So I think that's why, like, Donovan Klingon and Zach Eady get a weird – and Ryan Cockburner get a weird amount of hate. Yeah, oddly, you're part of the Ryan Cockburner hating committee. I don't hate so. Ryan Cockburner. I just don't think he's good at offense. I think he's the best defensive player in the country, maybe. 
All right. That leaves us with three teams to pick from. Who do you want to go with? I'm going to Omaha. Let it fly, Crispin Bolas. Creighton Blue Jays win by 45 against Central Michigan um, in a revenge game because they were knocked out of the tournament in the 2000s by this team. Um, That's a random piece of knowledge. Where did you learn that? Twitter. Twitter be helping. That's how we learn most of our stuff. Yeah. So, Or it could be a lie because Twitter also can lie to you. Twitter also be lying. Twitter do be lying. Big news this week. Baylor Shireman's got a girlfriend, and she's at Nebraska, I believe. So that's huge for Baylor. Congratulations. I can't wait to watch you play in the NBA. That is news from like a month ago. We all knew that. Apparently, you're not checking your Twitter enough. I guess I think that my phone disagrees. Right. Mason Miller and Isaac Trout were the story of this game. Let's just quickly, obviously, it's not a ton to talk about, but they combined for 35 points. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is depth. This is good depth because they have eight players that they chose. What? It's such an arbitrary eight they is good eight. and ten is bad? Yes, correct. Thank you for understanding. Nonsense. Eight's good, ten's bad. Um, I I'm, I'm wanted to quickly, and I don't want to harp on it long, I'm a, getting a little worried about Chicky Che Alexander. Um, his three-point percentage is down from 41% last year to 31% this year, early in the season. His field goal percentage is down from 44% to 43%. I don't want to harp on it, but it just seems like with more of the offense on him, he feels more of a responsibility to play a little ISO, um, and he's missing more shots. But it sounds like he's mostly missing three-pointers, right? Yeah. Well, everybody goes through shooting slumps. Well, we got to see what it is. He got a lot of open looks last year with Ryan Nemhard probing, even though I think Ryan Nemhard's not that great. You're full of hot takes. This coming, they have the biggest week of their season coming up. They have UNLV and then Alabama. Alabama. Um, Greensville, Alabama. Oh, excuse me. Apparently UNLV is having a bad year. I thought they were better than uh, There will be questions whether that UNLV game is played because of the um, right. events that happened on their campus a few weeks ago um, or a few days ago. But then they do have Alabama, and Alabama is good. And Alabama just played a really good game against Purdue. Uh, that will six. be next Saturday. Need to win. Need to win. Creighton's, Creighton to me right now, it's UConn and Marquette are the, clearly the top two. Creighton is right a step below them, and then everybody else is two or three steps below them. Um, they're kind of in that middle. Like, Can yeah. they solidify themselves as a one or two? I agree. And it's not because of any losses they've taken or talent. It's just they haven't gotten those marquee wins that UConn and Marquette have gone out and secured. Um, I mean, Marquette just blew – we're going to talk about this. They just blew the doors off of the number 12 team in the country. Yeah, um, and then did the same Notre Dame. And Although UConn just beat UNC in technically a neutral site. And Texas. They beat and Texas. They did, yeah, but I'm just – this week, UConn and Marquette have better wins than Creighton has over the entire season. Yeah. Um. So that Alabama win would help them a lot. It would also really help the Big East. We need to rack up some Q1 non-conference wins – we only have about a week, a week and a half of non-con left. So I think December 20th is when it really gets going. Yeah, we need about every win. I mean, listen, get. they they smacked. If they didn't lose to Colorado State the way they did by putting up 48 points um, and losing by 21, I think we'd be having a different conversation. They beat Oklahoma State. They beat Iowa. They beat – um, and they beat – what's it called? Nebraska. In Nebraska, yeah, actually, I could beat Nebraska with my eyes. Nebraska closed, was seven and zero coming into that game. I Nebraska they, had like a, the three hundredth strength of schedule. I understand that, but they, you know, that was a big. That's a rivalry game. You got to win those games, and they did. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Stephen Splashworth, oh from five for three this game. I'd like to see Stephen Splashworth get going. Credit to my beautiful girlfriend for that nickname, Stephen Splashworth. 
It's your girl. She's snoozing. <laughs> All right. That leaves just two teams to pick from, and I'm not going to New Jersey, so I will be going out to Indianapolis. I have to fly back to Jersey tonight. Can you not piss up the gods off That's before kind, I get there? It kind of sucks for you. Yeah, and then I have to drive back to Connecticut. Butler goes 2-0. and They beat Buffalo, and then they beat Cal in what was a really good Cal three game. three teams to pick from, by the way. No, we're doing extra time for the last two. Fair. You don't pay attention. Anyhow, back to the Butler Bulldogs. Um, double overtime against Cal. We watched this also in a bar before the Marquette game. And uh, you can't come away w- without being impressed with the amount of talent on this Butler Bulldog team. Um, they have about four guys they go to down the stretch. And That's my tweet. Jamil Telford, Pierre Brooks. Ryan got Jamil Telford's name right. Woo! Jalen Thomas. Uh-huh. Posh Alexander. Yeah, it, it, it's a really talented team. They still need to clean it up defensively, but in terms of offensive talent. Okay, so here's my question for you. Why could Ed Cooley not bring in players like Butler brought in? Butler has a whole new roster. Like, literally, they have one player returning. Butler doesn't have any... Connor Turnbull erasure. Jalen Thomas and Connor Turnbull. Two. You're telling me Butler has a better NIL? I want to sit here and I want to eat crow, Ryan. I was wrong. Thad is not bad. Thad is good at coaching. I was also shocked that Thad Mata is Ed Cooley's age. Um, unfortunately, Thad does age not great. Thad ages bad. Um, <laughs> but this guy is energetic. He does not look like a walking zombie anymore. He looks like he likes his team. I'm really excited for the Butler Bulldogs. It is he is so energetic. And it for a guy who doesn't really remember him on Ohio State. He doesn't remember himself on Ohio State. I don't remember him on Ohio Please. State. Um last year I kind of thought that's who he was. And he seems he seemed almost, you know, very subdued. But this year it's so interesting to get to see him. He's getting pumped up. He's slapping his guys on the back. He's five more, five more. Yeah. Five, I mean, even the overtime they went to yesterday against Cal, he was hyped up and you saw it, but normally when a team gets to double overtime, like Cal did yesterday, um, you lose some steam. Butler just didn't lose any steam. They were making big shots at every single moment of that game. You know, to win an overtime game by seven points, that's hard because you only have five minutes to do that, to come up with seven points. Posh, Alexander, and Pierre Brooks both played 45 minutes. Uh, they combined for 39 points. Um, Jamil Telford hit huge shot after huge shot, that big three from the top. DJ Davis hit that long three uh, in overtime. Yeah, they're a fun team. They're the the biggest surprise of the Big East. One of my favorite teams to watch, which is wild considering what I had to watch last year with them. Jaden Taylor just dribbling around the court and trying to hit step-back jumpers. I love Jaden Taylor. No Jaden Taylor uh, disrespect on this podcast. What about Chuck Harris disrespect? I like Chuck Harris. I did too. Manny Bates should have been better at basketball, though. Anyway, um, great week for them. And do we know who they have coming up? Um, Butler this week is going to be playing Georgetown. Hoyas, bring out a Hoya. And a D2 school. So Butler should get two wins. Yeah, this was the end of their D1 non-conference schedule. They got like Saginaw State or something. Saginaw. Sagoff, Sagoff. He can't shoot Sagoff. And that leaves one more. I'm not picking him. So you have to pick him. Tyler is dying to go to South Orange to talk about your Seton Hall Pirates who go 0-2. They lose to Baylor, and then they lose their Super Bowl to Rutgers. It was – I mean, listen, we knew they were going to lose to Baylor, right? No surprise. They that, actually kept it close for a while. That yeah. was, I think, like a 10-point game with like five minutes left. That was uh, 
a very difficult draw for any team in the Big East, let alone Seton Hall. But losing your Super Bowl to Rutgers is tough. And Shaheen Holloway comes out and says, my guys didn't seem to understand what a big game this was. It's really embarrassing when you have a lot of you know guys who've been on the team multiple years. Wow. Shaheen Holloway hated his team last year. Shaheen Holloway already talking trash about his team this year. Maybe Shaheen, and I don't want to be too hot takey, maybe the problem might be you kind of as well. If your team doesn't realize, and they're a bunch of college kids, how big a game is, maybe you can say, hey, guys, poke, poke, poke. This is a big game. You should get up for it. It was a home game at the Prudential Center. It was sold out. Prudential Center is like an NHL arena, I think. Um, I think the Devils play there. I could be totally wrong. People can roast me for that one. But it was sold out. It's a massive arena. Your team shouldn't be struggling for energy. And if they are, you might have brought in some of the wrong guys if that is the case. Well, I understand your point. At the end of the day, the coach can't go out there and play the darn game. Because we've seen Shaheen Holloway on the sidelines. He does not lack for energy. But he brought in the players that don't have the energy. Well, it's not all these guys he brought in. And a lot of the guys he brought in left last. He brought in last year left in the transfer portal. Why? Because he's got no NIO at Seton Hall. They got the worst NIO situation in the Big East. Um. What is Seton Hall's identity right now? That's my issue. Are they an offense team or a defense team? Because I knew last year what they were. Yeah. They're tough as shit. They're going to beat the hell out of you, and they're going to score 48 points. Mm-hmm. Well, and they were going to hold you to 49. Last year, they held Rutgers to 40-something points. This year, they gave up 70. And we have a weird amount of knowledge on Rutgers. Tim, again, you get your shout-out per week. Rutgers is worse this year than they were last year. So all I can say is you gave up 21, 25 extra points to Rutgers. I mean, yeah, I know Mag was back for them, but... God, this Rutgers team has struggled in every way, too. He misses KC and Defo. He misses Femi Udikale. He misses Tyree Samuel. He misses Tyree Samuel. He misses a lot of his guys um, from last year, and he doesn't have the same identity you, you were talking about, that defensive identity. I think so much of that came from KC and Defo, who understood Shaheen Holloway and what he wanted them to do out there. Yeah, you needed to win this Rutgers game. The Baylor game, let's just chalk that up to you. were going to probably get lose that game. Needed to win the Rutgers game. Didn't win the Rutgers game. Really have to start considering what this team's going to look like next year because Alamir Dawes will be done. Ty, I don't know. Did you look at the box score from the Seton Hall Rutgers game? No. Guess what Alamir Dawes shot from three? I think two of ten. Three of 15. Wow. So that's a chuck and duck. That is um, – it's not good. No. It's it's not good at all. Tyler is on the record. He thinks Alamir Dawes would be a Big East honor roll selection. So. Ryan's on the record of being a hater. Of Tyler. Of, of Alamir Dawes. Ryan hates college students. I never said that. Well, All right. We're, we're going to take a short break, then we're going to come back, do a little extra time with the two live games we got to see this week. We want to give a little shout-out to our favorite sponsor and the sponsor of the episode, Diamore Designs. Diamore Designs is a family-run company that creates apparel, custom apparel, for all of your needs, um, they kind of got their start making apparel for rec sports teams and you know softball teams, intramural teams. Um, but now they really do it for anything that you could need. So if you want any custom apparel, go to DMOR Designs. Tell you got the website. Yeah, DMORDesigns.square.site. Um, uh, if you just Google DMOR Designs, it's going to come up. Um, help them out. They're really helping us out, getting us to do a few cool things. Help them out. Look cool while doing it. All right, Ryan. That means we have two teams left to talk about. And we'll talk about the first game we went to this week. For the first time ever, Big East Barroom went to a game as media members. 
one of the coolest experiences. Again, this is a huge thank you to you guys. We have enjoyed 1% of the success we hope to enjoy, but it's because of you tuning in, listening. People recognize us enough to give us a media pass to Madison Square Garden to go watch North Carolina play UConn. Um, so first, need to say thank you to that. Um, you guys are amazing. But UConn comes out and um, they go 2-0 this week. I don't think we really have to talk about Arkansas Pine Bluff. It seems like the first half was close. You know, I was hoping to only talk about Arkansas Pine Then they Bluff. blew them out in the second half. Um, but the UNC game was a top-10 matchup at the Garden. Um, buzzing. I think probably 60-40 UNC fans. Yeah, and UConn fans aren't going to like to hear that. But from our vantage point... Now, now somebody did have a good theory. Baby Blue stands out in a crowd much more than Dark Blue. That's our... Yeah. Erica. So you see a lot of Tar Heel um, merchandise and it that stands pick. out to you versus the UConn stuff. But I would have guessed 60 40. As and well. then, though, the chanting started and it was clear that it was a UConn, at least the UConn fans were louder than the UNC fans. Well, when your team's winning, you get a, you get a lot more to cheer about. Right. Do you want to talk Cam Spence? You want to talk Tristan Newton? You want to talk Alex Carabin breaking his slump a little bit? I mean, let's talk a little Cam Spencer to start. I mean, is Cam Spencer Dan Hurley 20 years ago? Yes. Um, yeah, I think he would be Dan Hurley in 20 years as well. He's just the fire. I didn't know that he kind of played with that fire and the fire that he played with UNC is a really good team. And at points during that game, I felt like they thought they could kind of bully UConn because they're UConn isn't the most explosive athlete. They aren't a bunch of five stars. I mean, Stefan Castle is. Yeah, but Castle barely played, but they're a really cohesive team. So when Baycott hit that dunk, and kind of flex on Samson Johnson, or, you know, they try to take the ball out of Cam Spencer's hand. No, that's not going to happen. You're not going to bully UConn, especially when Dan Hurley bullies them in practice every single day. Sure. So Cam Spencer just goes and smacks the ball out of Armando Baycott's hand, runs to the end of the court, pumping up everybody, let's fucking go. I liked when he pointed at the other UNC guy and said, you could get it. I think he said that too. <laughs> I was going to tweet that out, that I, my lip sync, sinking was thinking that he was saying, you could get it too. You could, you could get it. <laughs> And, and, so, and then Armando Baycott says after the game, he wouldn't say that to me in real life. My brother in Christ, all Cam Spencer has been is underestimated in his life. He was willing to, he'll talk that shit anywhere. And my favorite thing is all the Rutgers players who played with him, Geo Baker, Ron Harper Jr. said, no, he's crazy. He will say that. And Armando Baycott, you are on the freaking um, Outlander or whatever that show is. I don't want to hear about how tough you are. I like Armando Baycott. I think he's really good for college basketball. He's been the face of college basketball for a couple of years. Um, but, you know, we're going to ride with the Big East on any fight he gets into with UConn. So, Cam Spencer, that was a lot of fun to watch. And then um, Tristan Newton was fantastic in the first half of this game. He's been fantastic all year. I think he's an All-American. I don't think you can name five players that are playing better than him in the country. Um, Solomon Ball was huge for them down the stretch of this game. He gets 13 points. He shot really well, which is what they needed. He uh, stretched the defense a little bit. It was a pretty complete victory for them, and they hit the big shots and big moments uh, in Madison Square Garden. This was national championship-esque. Right. Coming into the season, who would you have said are the two most important players for UConn? Donovan Klingon and Alex Carabin. And then third would be? Tristan Newton. Tristan Newton and Donovan Klingon had three fouls and sat for most of this, or not most of this game, didn't play the minutes they normally do. You didn't miss a beat with um, Hassan Diara, who, if we want to talk about a renaissance story, Hassan Diara was unplayable at certain points last year. This guy's going out there, and in, the people who hate Donovan Klingon will love this, but remember when everyone talked about his per 40 minutes or whatever it would be? 
Zondiara might be averaging like a triple-double per 40. Yeah, he had six points, five rebounds, four assists in 16 minutes. So his per 40 would be literally have been a triple-double. Yeah. I mean, this kid is playing with the fire and fight, and he's really good defensively. I've been so impressed. There is not one player on this team, maybe other than Klingon, who we got some quotes that he's clearly not at full strength. Um, that is, I think everybody on this team has impressed me. Yeah, Hassandiara is such a nice change-up because of the ball pressure he brings and the energy, and he's just a dirt dog, devil dog. You can't play him forever because he can't stretch the floor at all, but um, you want to heat up a team, and you think they're a little too comfortable offensively, you throw Hassan Diara on the, you know, their ball handler and let Hassan go torture him for a few minutes. Yeah. Um, but I do think – I think one of the most important parts of this game is the freshman solo ball. You talked a little bit about it. Um, he's going to play in big games this year. You know, UConn has aspirations of another national title. Solo ball will either be the starter or the sixth man off the bench. Is he's going to need to knock down huge shot after huge shot for this team. He's going to be in, I think, an Alex Caravan role because I think he's going to get a lot of open threes because they're going to focus on the other four on the court. And you saw it. He got a lot of good looks in this UNC game. And he, and knocked, he knocked him down. down. And he knocked him down. And this could be a huge confidence booster for a kid that, you know, was waiting for that coming out party. True freshman, wasn't starting until he was put into the starting rotation because of injury. <laughs> wasn't starting until he started. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> um, true freshman, wasn't a starter. Madison Square Garden, top 10 matchup. Hits his shots. What else can you ask for? Yeah. Return of Stefan Castle, too. Good to see him back on the court. Um, we'll need a few games to get his legs under him. UConn plays Gonzaga next week, um, which will be their last chance to play yeah. A big game before Big East play. UConn and Marquette's non-con has been so fun this year. And they've only lost a combined three games. And who cares if they lost them? Yeah, didn't. Like, look at coaches, Big East coaches. Look at UConn and Marquette. They have lost. And they are still two top ten teams. Because if you win those games, your resume is insane. It's so much fun. It makes college basketball way more fun. And I wish everybody – Villanova's had a nice non-con also. They just don't win. Um, well, they don't win against Philly schools. But – it is a lot of fun, and you know we'll get into conference play pretty quick here. And that just leaves one team. That would be your Marquette Golden Eagles. Um, we are in Milwaukee. Yes, legally speaking, if anyone asks us, we're not paying taxes here, though. No, we don't pay taxes in Milwaukee anymore. Um, but we have had a blast since we've got here. We appreciate all of the recommendations we received over Twitter. Um, you guys have been fantastic. We've also, you know, got to meet a few people. Ravy, Katie Burner, Barstool Marquette. Just good guy after good guy after good guy. Real dudes, not weird. Awesome people. I mean, just can't say enough things about your hospitality. Yeah, what's going on out here in Milwaukee that you guys are just like great people? You like drinking beer and eating brats? That's my favorite thing about the culture. They're like, it's cold all the time. That's what we were talking about yesterday. It's cold all the time. So we're just going to do beer and really good food and basketball. Like, when we walked into that freaking arcade the other day, Up Down, if you guys know it, they just gave us 20 free tokens to walk around with, and we're just playing retro video games, and none of them are broken, and all of them are fine. And it's like, what is this place that we walked into? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> 10 out of 10 would come to Milwaukee again. Yeah, and would uh, definitely recommend it to everybody. If we my flight out of here gets okay. <laughs> uh, some people ask where we went. So we went to Sobelman's. Yeah. We got a burger and uh, got a Bloody Mary for my girlfriend. Uh, where else have we gone? We went to Up Down. We went to Who's on Third. 
Um, we went to that German brew house. Too hot though. 100 degrees. Only complain about Milwaukee. Yeah, you guys have your heat turned up really high. It's like 110 degrees in every restaurant we go into. And you, you get there, you're all in a jacket and yeah. a sweatshirt and everything. The brat house we went to, we enjoyed that. Oh, no. We went to Lakefront Brewery for fish fry and poker music. I really liked the tour. I thought Riley was cool. Shout out Riley if you listen. <laughs> yeah. Riley listens to the Big East Barroom. Bad be electric. Um, and then, Ryan, we went to Wolski's yesterday after you forced us to walk 30 minutes. And I closed down Wolski's. What's up? It's your boy. He got a sticker. I got I, a sticker. I did, and I took the $8 Uber back here, and I fell asleep. At me to see my sticker. I will show it off. I'm 30 years old. Tyler did not make it because he's lame. I'm 28. I can still hang. Um, no, I'm not trying to hang with college kids anymore. Also, it was 2.30 our time, not 1.30, because we have an hour difference. Everybody at Wolski's? Everybody wanted to talk Marquette basketball. Yeah, because or everybody... this is, the culture here is Marquette basketball. They sell out a freaking Bucks, NBA arena. The coolest. I mean, we could talk about that arena, the game. I mean, just unbelievable. They all, it's a cult here. They all freaking talking nonsense. Oh, yeah. No, he was the domino of the game. It's like, guys, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't English. But Shaka tur- Smart has done that. I turned to him. I said, everybody here talks like they're an assistant coach on Shaka Smart staff. Like, like you get Chick-fil-A off deflections here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. Eh? EGBs, we need those energy-giving behavior. It's like, what What does that mean? I mean, one of the coolest places I've ever been, this two student sections all the way filled up. Fucking rocking. Excuse my language. Yeah. Um, this is not a fucking swearing podcast. Yeah. When they get into the fight song, and then they do that little clapping thing. The, like, they do a little clapping. That thing was, I'm t- it was fun. I don't care. I don't that care. was electric. And your beer was not even terribly priced. It was only like $13. <laughs> hey, well, you go to Madison Square Garden and uh, $13 looks good to you. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about some of the games? I mean, they blo- they win by a combined like 45 points in these two games. 40, exactly. I mean, this is just an absolute beatdown on every level. The Notre Dame came, they kept them to zero points through like five minutes. They got to the, I think they got to the under eight timeout and it was 21 to two. Yeah, it was. Like, and they only ever or scored. under 12 timeout. They only ever scored because they took Osoi Godaro out of the game because it was, the game was already over in the first 10 minutes. I mean, and they, they got good minutes for Zade Lowry and uh, Trey Norman off of this game. I mean, they just, they kind of just messed around. At one point they put all their bench players in and just let David Joplin play. I was like, oh, so David Joplin is the, I mean, the best, I mean, Marquette and UConn are just clearly the best teams in the Big East. We're talking state of the program. I mean, how can you be anything but excited for Milwaukee basketball right now? Yeah. Um, and then that Texas game was cathartic. Cathartic? It was so nice it's to finals see. week for some of these college kids, and you need to use the word cathartic. Well, they probably know what it means. What about catheter? I hope I used it well. I, right. I don't know. Catheter? It's early in the morning. I closed down Wolf It's really not that old, early in the morning. I uh, got to leave soon. <laughs> but it was so great to see them get the revenge for Shaka Smart. Tyler Cullick's quotes after the game. Yeah. Uh, he said he didn't care. I said, bullshit. <laughs> and we went out there, and I said, this one's for you. I mean, we're talking about we're going to talk about this starting five for Marquette in a legendary status. Even I mean, listen, I get it. People listening are like they got to win something first. They got to win, you know, win, get to the final four, whatever. If this Marquette team gets to a final four, right? I turned to you yesterday. Nine players came back from that final four team to watch a Marquette Notre Dame game. I get it's a rivalry game, but in the middle of Wisconsin, they got them back there. I mean. You win, you get to the final four, and that's what the pitch should be from Shaka. You will never buy a beer in Milwaukee again. You will be a legend. They will build statues of you. Yep. I mean, Kolick, Mitchell, Oso, Joplin, 
and Cam Jones and um, Chase Ross have ability to be talked about like gods in Milwaukee if they can win some games in March. Yeah. Um, win some tournament games in March. I agree. And, and Tyler Kolick is going to be getting invited back to Pfizer Forum for as long as there is a Pfizer Forum. Um, he will be up on that screen, you know, drinking a beer and, and uh, smiling. Singing his favorite song, The Star Spangled Banner. Good for him. Tyler Kolick goes for 28 points, eight rebounds, six assists, and three steals against Texas. It is – Florida with a triple-double against Notre Dame. Is it the best performance of the Big East season? Uh, Newton's 31 comes in a loss. Um, Might be the best performance, in, uh, you know, individual performance in the Big East season. Yeah, and his performance against Illinois was insane too. Listen, I think people forget that because Marquette loses. Tyler Kolick broke his thumb against Marquette or uh, against Michigan State last year. He played through a lot of it. He was looking at that thumb. This kid is built different. He is out there to prove that he is still the best point guard in the conference, that he is an All-American, that he is like that, and he plays with a chip on his shoulder, and that's why half of you hate him and half of you love him. He's so much fun to watch. I mean, he's a Big East legend already, and we're going to get him for one more or about two-thirds of another college basketball season. We should appreciate every moment that we get to see him play basketball because he will go down into record books. And if you hate him, that's the point, too. Basketball is supposed to emote or you know emote an emotion from you. You should be sitting there and going, I do hate this guy. That's why I know he's good. Because I hate him. Because they don't boo nobody's Reggie Jackson said. They don't boo nobody's. Tyler biggest concern on Marquette. They can't rebound. Um, I love them. Their Cam's would be is one of the most athletic players, but because he's, you know, he's not he's kind of underweight. Um, he gets pushed around a little bit. Oso's a pretty good rebounder, but even at the center position, sometimes he's a little undersized with some of these players. Um, and David Joplin's a stretch four. He's not sure. um, supposed to be a rebounder. Kolick and Stevie Mitchell put their noses in there. Chase Ross really puts his nose in there. Jeez, that dude was fighting with everybody for rebounds the entire game. Chase Ross is so much fun to Sean watch. Sean Jones is all right. Yeah, Sean Jones. He'll sneak one in. Um, but Chase Ross, if uh, KD Burner was saying it yesterday, if this Big East – if this Are we quoting Katie Burner now? If this market starting five wasn't so freaking good, yeah. Chase Ross would be starting. He'd be a starter on almost any other team in the Big East. Um, he's so freaking good, and he uh, looks like an NBA wing potentially. So next year, I expect to see really big things from him. But for now, he's playing behind the best defender on their team. The Steven best Mitchell. starting five in the, in the conference? Steven <sighs> – really hard because UConn won a national championship last year with three of those players, but Marquette won a Big East tournament with four of the with all five of those players. Yeah, UConn only won with two of the players. Well, they then, lost three of their starting five. Yeah, well, then David Joplin doesn't count either because he wasn't a starting five last year for Marquette. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Milwaukee, you've been amazing. I love you, Wisconsin! Um, thank you for all your hospitality. We hope to get to your arena soon. And this hungover Sunday is brought to you by the Big East Bar Room. And closing down Wolskis. And closing down Wolskis. And as always, thanks for pulling up a stool.